Wayne Duvenage, who is the founder and leader of Outer, is, uh, well, causing trouble again, I see, this time with driver's licenses. But you're not really causing the trouble. You're more exposing the issues that are going on. Lots of people have been reading and commenting on this story on Biz News. How did you come about it or understand what was going on there in the first place? Well, Alec, it goes back to last year when the, and I think even prior to, to last year, when the, um, the whole driver's license queuing and booking system became a debacle and it became quite problematic for people to to get their driver's licenses, particularly in Gauteng and I think KZN was also a problem. And um, and we got involved because this is pure maladministration uh, and inefficiencies within government that uh, our supporters were calling on us to assist and do something about. We do play in the whole space of transport quite a lot from ETOLs to to the long distance tolling to R2. And uh, this was going to have an impact, by the way, on R2 as well. So <clears throat> I, I guess we it started there, uh, engaging with the authorities and just trying to get them to uh, up their game and sort these problems out. And it's gone around and around in circles. And one of the things that we uh, did decide to do is, is also do some research. What is the norm in, uh, in other parts of the world? Uh, and we found that 10-year renewals is uh, a norm in many countries, and it's something that we should consider. Uh, and so we wrote to the uh, Minister of Transport uh, suggesting this, and our research also found, by the way, that in 2013, under Dupuy-Peters, who was the Minister of Transport at the time, this was already approved, this plan to have the renewal period every 10 years and not every five years. And as you can imagine, that will have a an immense benefit to not only the government, but to society, to citizens. Uh, uh, there's no need to renew every every five years other than change your uh, your photograph, update your photograph, and that's very easy to do in an online space. Um, and, uh, and 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 so, so to do so every 10 years makes a lot more sense. Uh, the, the decision to do so in 2013 was uh, rescinded, uh, and we believe that's due to the fact that they were going to lose a lot of money. Now, that's the real crux of the issue here. Is this about making money, or is this about creating efficiency within a state? And we believe that this Department of Transport is not invested in its people and in what is best for the country, but it's invested in what's best for itself and its cronies and its own internal empire building. Uh, and so, yeah, we've had to get a lot more involved and to up the ante on this issue. And then lo and behold, in November, the driver's license machine breaks down, the only one they have. And now there's another backlog. And this is just going from a, a, a mess to a disaster. Let's just understand this. There is a old uh, piece of equipment that produces South Africa's driver's licenses. Uh, we have a system in this country where the driver's licenses have to be renewed every five years rather than every 10 years. Well, that could be improved, as you've explained. But then the machinery broke down. How many people are now waiting to renew their driver's licenses and unable to do so because the Department of Transport can't fulfill its side of the obligation? 
Well, I think the backlog in issuing the licenses is something like between four and 500,000 now. Um, and there are those who've got their licenses. They've been approved. They've gone and done all the paperwork up until November, but now they can't get their license uh, just because um, for the card because the machine hasn't printed them. So they effectively have a license. But if they get stopped by the traffic police, well, they can't produce a new one. They can only produce their old one. Now, we think that the police are going to be understanding of that. They have been. This has been a debacle. And by the way, this is how it impacts on, 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 on into the space of, of policing and ensuring that road safety takes place and people are properly licensed. They can't even do their jobs properly because they just don't know whether people have licenses or not because of this debacle. So, yeah, it's about four to 500,000 uh, uh, backlog in issuing of licenses. What I found interesting was the uh, salaries that are being earned by the worthies who are running this operation. Yeah, look, we are unpacking their uh, reports and starting to find some very interesting stuff there, Alec. Um, uh, it's a small department. It doesn't have, and it doesn't need, by the way, a lot of people, but it's got a little empire there. It makes a bit of money out of this, but it seems to be making quite a lot of money. And there's, uh, there's uh, uh, you know, surpluses there. Uh, but what's very interesting is is the massive increase in the depreciation. Now, that would tell you that they've bought equipment over the last couple of years, or they bought a lot of desks and furniture and computers or, or something. Uh, and we need to look deeper into that. What is what is actually going on in this department? It's very similar to the RTMC, the Road Traffic Management Corporation. Again, a money-making empire that is going out there to do as much as it can to make more money instead of making life more efficient for its citizens. For instance, if you want to renew your your car license uh, or your driver's license, you now if you were if you go in uh, uh, to the office, it's cheap. But if you want to go online and do it, it's going to cost you seven hundred rand. And that's that's just the reverse of what normal business does. Can you imagine a bank uh, charging you more to go online and, and 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 trying to encourage people to rather go into the bank to do their transactions? It doesn't work like that in the world. But in the world of the Department of Transport, that appears to be the norm. Uh, and it's just absolutely crazy. Do you have any visibility on when this will all be sorted out? In other words, when the new equipment will be in place? We have nothing, uh, Alec. We write to the department uh, and we asked them just to be a little bit more citizen-centric, to keep the society in, informed. What is going on? Do you have a new machine? Will it be? Will the current one be fixed? What is going on? Just tell us so that we can all sort of understand what your plan and strategy is to fix this. Otherwise, you leave too much up to speculation and, and government's credibility starts to go out the window when that happens. Uh, of, of course, this department's credibility has been shot for a long time, but they're doing themselves no favors in trying to improve that. So the short answer is no, we don't have any idea of what's going on and when it's going to be fixed. Talking about credibility, we saw the release of the first edition of the Zondo Commission report. Included in there is the story of Dudu Mieni, who you know very well, having uh, taken her to court uh, to get her charged as a a delinquent um, director. Uh, Have you had a chance to read through Zondo's uh, findings on the Mnyeni matter? Yes, yes, uh, we have. And uh, very interesting. I think he's very thorough and and goes beyond just our case. Our case is mentioned in there. Uh, and, um, and you know, both the court at the time, uh, uh, Tolmay, Judge Tolmay, has already referred 
the findings of that court case, which uh, the judgment was given in May last year, to the NPA. Uh, but his report uh, spells it out very clearly. And although we only dealt with two areas, the Air- Airbus, uh, uh, the swaps, the transaction swaps and the uh, uh, and the um, Emirates deal, there were a lot of other matters that we wanted to get into. But this case is through the Stalingrad strategy was just so drawn out. And we only had a month uh, with this uh, matter in court. Uh, but that was enough to have it declared at Lingua Director. But what the report does, and Zondo's report goes into all those other issues, the BNP capital deal and, and a number of others, where uh, clear evidence of her, and he spells that out, and others, uh, Yaki Quinane is another one, um, is uh, they found wanting and how they deliberately uh, interfered with the operational processes, which they are not allowed to do as non-executive uh, people in, 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 on the board, uh, and uh, and got in the way of business, which cost the airline dearly. And we lost that Emirates deal. It was very profitable for SAA. We lost our credibility with them and the international, uh, you know, aviation industry started looking at SAA uh, from a different perspective. The Airbus guys, everybody was uh, saying, what is going on here? And clearly what was going on, and as the report shows, is that there was interference for for agendas that suited uh, state capture, that suited individuals, that suited specific deals that people were going to get rich out of and were not in the best interests of SAA or this country. So what's going to happen to Dudumieni? Well, what should now happen is she she obviously she's remained silent in in Zonda Commission. You can do that there for fear of incriminating herself. Well, she can't have that approach when it comes to court now. So what we're wanting is the NPA to start acting on this information. We think they are. They've got a substantial amount. We've made Section 27 referrals. This is a referral that you can make with all the evidence supporting that referral directly to the NPA. We believe that they're going to take this information and she's going to have to be tried in a court of law. And if she wants to keep her mouth shut and not respond to the questions, then, well, the judge has a very easy decision to make. One side of the story is told, the other side is missing, and it's off to jail you go, uh, Ms. Mieni. But, you know, the question then is, well, when is this court process going to happen? And that's the question that many in society have, and we do as well. Why is the NPA so slow in moving on some of these very clear-cut cases? And uh, we are going to be engaging with them on that. I think uh, Shamila Batoy will be engaging with civil society because it's a question has been asked a lot lately. You know, we've given them a bit of rope, a leeway to to improve their uh, capacity to deal with their skills shortage and uh, the, a mountain of work that has to happen. But I'm afraid it's just, just dragged on for too long. And I think when you start digging deeper, Alec, into what's actually happening here, we find a situation where something different has to be done. This is not just your normal NPA that's going to get through this mountain of evidence that has to be uh, tried in a court of, of law. And a lot of people that are currently walking the streets need to be uh, held accountable. Uh, I think they're going to have to explore working ways of working with civil society because we can assist. Um, if the law is very prescriptive and allowing us to get involved, uh, we're going to have to set up new mechanisms to introduce more from civil society, maybe changes to law, maybe corruption courts. Who knows? Zonda had great recommendations in there around an anti-corruption or a, a, a agency. 
not too dissimilar to the National Anti-Corruption Forum that's being set up by the president, but it gives it more autonomy and uh, uh, more powers. It's going to be very interesting to see how that takes place, but something has to happen very different to what is currently happening. Otherwise, we're not going to get through. Wayne, just to close off with, uh, in about a month and a half now, we're going to have the third episode of the Biz News Investment Conference in the Drakensberg, close to where the two of us grew up in KZN. Uh, you're going to be one of our talkers or one of our uh, keynote presenters. I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, what you will be sharing with us, but primarily focused then on on this gigantic report that's come out of the Zondo Commission. Uh, how big a team do you have there at Arta who who are going through all of this? Well, our full team is, is 45 staff, uh, but we have about four of them focused on this uh, report. We have Rudy Haneker, who's our, our state capture project manager, and his boss, Stefani Fick, uh, advocate Stefani Fick, who heads up the legal team. There's myself and a couple of the communication specialists that we've got, uh, and one or two others. Uh, and, and we're uh, sifting through part one, as you know, over 800 pages, part two coming at the end of the month, and part three at the end of February. So a lot to get through. But what is nice about this report is very concise. It's very clear. Uh, the evidence is there, so the findings are are, are, are succinct, and then and then the recommendations that will come uh, towards the end and the summary of that. So it's going to be it really is good, and I tell you why. A lot of people have said, well, 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 so what about this report? What is good about this report is it is a formal judicial process. So what's in there is very very important information that wouldn't have otherwise been obtained had we not gone through this process. It would have been left up to a lot of media release and civil society saying this and finding that in the Gupta leaks and a lot of speculation. Speculation's gone now. It's all there. It's factual stuff. And from here, so much more can be done. So this is this is a really big event for this country and I look forward to unpacking it uh, with you and, and, and the team at uh, in the Drakensberg in March. It's going to be quite a challenge, uh, as you've said, part one, part two. I'm sure you're going to have to burn the midnight oil to get through part three ahead of the first or second of March when, when you do give your presentation. But uh, we're looking forward to that very much, Wayne. In a nutshell, though, uh, are, you, are you happy? Are you feeling more uplifted and going into 2022 as a more excited and optimistic South African? Uh, yeah, look, uh, again, this report's done a lot for us, but I think what's happening, uh, Alec, as we look forward now, I mean, we've got the uh, pandemic, which has been very interruptive. I think there's a little bit more clarity that's coming and how we're going to have to deal with that and get on with business in this country uh, in 2022. Uh, and then we've got the ANC election at the end of this year. It's come very quickly. Uh, and we've got the 2024 elections just uh, two years away. So a lot is going to have to happen and a lot of change has to happen and a lot of clear direction setting has to happen, both from a government point of view, from civil society point of view, and so many other factors that are coming to the fore now. And I think if we get it right, or a lot of it right, or some of it right, to the extent that it's uh, going to be positive for this country, that's what I'm excited about. Uh, and now is the year. This is the year that, that so many of those puzzle pieces have to start falling into place. Otherwise, we are going to be in big trouble uh, in, in the next few years.